Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody, this is Russ K5TUX, and you have, for some strange reason, tuned into episode number 126 of Linux in the Ham Shack. With me tonight is the beautiful Cheryl from Missouri. How are you tonight? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing very well, very well indeed. And uh, also with me tonight is the also very beautiful Pete. From Montreal, V2XPL. How are you doing, Pete? Hey, everybody. How are you doing? Hi, Cheryl. Happy to have you aboard, as usual. Uh, glad to be back after my uh, one-episode hiatus. Uh, so thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for having you. you. You are a part of this show, right? You remember that, right? <laughs> Yeah, but you have control. You don't have to, you don't have to let me in. Well, it's true. I could be on the outside looking in if you choose. <laughs> I could cut you off at any moment. That's correct. Any time. That's correct. So I'll be, I'll be good. No F-bombs today. Well, I had to edit out like four of them in the last episode I did. <laughs> and only one, of, only one of them was mine. <laughs> uh, with that said, well, uh, we are going to jump right in, uh, which is kind of apropos because earlier we were listening to The Urge. Jump right in. Let me just start is with... Is that a- what that was? I couldn't figure that out. Yeah, that's what that was. Very good song from 92-ish or something, somewhere in there. <sighs> anyway... Uh, let me do a quick update on the Ohio Linux Fest. I got an email from Vance Kokenderfer, and I'm assuming I'm not butchering that too badly, who uh, is a PR manager or, I don't know, has something to do with uh, the Ohio Linux Fest. We mentioned the call for papers on uh, two episodes ago, I think it was, maybe last episode. I don't know. Anyway, they have extended the deadline for the call for papers. So if you want to submit a paper and talk at the Ohio Linux Fest, which is coming up, I believe, in September of this year, you have until the 24th of July 2014 to get your paper submitted. Uh, he just sent me an addendum, and I'm letting everybody know. And uh, if you ever ever wanted to talk at a, uh, at a Linux Fest and you can be in Ohio in September, then... You should probably do that. It's fun. I've done it. I had a good time. So do the papers have to be Linux-related, or do they accept uh, any sort of techie-ish kind of stuff? It doesn't have to be specifically Linux, but technical would be good. And, uh, you know, Linux and open source, any anything related to open source or Linux or even open hardware will certainly qualify. But you couldn't talk about sliders from White Castle. Well, you could submit a paper on it. I doubt they would accept it. <laughs> if you could fit in, uh, you know, some free and open source stuff somewhere, maybe they would accept it. Yeah. If you're figuring out how to make, like, nanobots out of sliders, yes, they would probably take that paper. Interesting. That would be good because then you could eat them and then the nanobots would be inside you and maybe be some kind of new medical breakthrough. We're already going downhill. I'm just going to stop right here. <laughs> All right. Well, guess what? Go ahead. The date of, of the Ohio Linux Fest is October 24th and 25th. October? Wow, that's late. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So if you want well, to you see... If, if, if the deadline is July 24th, you don't want to have the Ohio Linux Fest like on, you know, August 1st. Well, no, that's entirely true. But if you don't want to go to... If you don't want to see snow in Ohio, you may want to avoid it in October. You won't have snow in Ohio. Ohio is south. Ohio is north in this country. <laughs> south from here. Yeah, well, uh, I'd be willing we don't to even have snow here in October. Oh, sure you do. Well, in some parts of the country, but way, way further north than where I am. Actually, that's not true. A little bit further north, when I lived in Alberta, every year my kids would uh, go trick-or-treating in the snow. So that was, uh, of course, at 5,000 feet. I'm assuming friends in Colorado have the same experience. Yeah, I lived in Maine, too, but of course Maine was in the U.S., but north of you. So... Um, at least the part of it that I was in. And we always had snow on Halloween. Really? That's interesting. Yes. I, I, I am not lying. So anyway, I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead. In Missouri on Halloween. Oh, Tosh says there's totally snow in Ohio in October. Hell, there's snow here in October. All right. Hell. <laughs> yeah, hell. Hell, Tosh. <laughs> 
Damn. All right. Well, I'm not doing all the work here tonight. Somebody else can read this next story, even though it's mine. All right, Cheryl, go ahead. Uh, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless you want to do it, Cheryl. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> never read stories. Come on, we got to get you uh, into the groove of things. Get into the groove, yo. If you listen to last podcast, you'll find that I read most of the stories. The last podcast isn't posted yet. Yeah. I, well, that's not my fault. No, that's my fault. It's <laughs> not my blaming fault. anyone. <laughs> no. I just checked. <laughs> just was curious. That's all. I wanted to see who uh, took my place. <laughs> Little tiny shoes to fill. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one, of course. A lot of you have been following the story of Malaysian Airlines flight uh, 9M MRO, a Boeing 777, which has been missing for, what, about a week and a half now? How do you lose a 777? This thing's the size of a building. But anyhow, it's it's a really weird story. I mean, everybody's everybody's just fascinated with this. I mean, even people who aren't plane people have been, not plane as in P-L-A-I-N, but plane as in airplane people, have been uh, fascinated by this story. But the uh, Malaysian Amateur Radio Emergency Services Society, uh, M-A-R-E-S, uh, is calling uh, all ham radios, particularly uh, those in the areas of uh, India, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Mauritius, I don't even know what this one is. Uh, the Seychelles. Thank you. <laughs> I've never heard of that place. Where is that? And uh, Thailand uh, are invited to participate in the search and rescue of the missing aircraft. Uh, like I said, the uh, 777 went missing about a week and a half ago. Uh, it's a multinational search. Uh, the, even the U.S. is involved. Uh, the NTSB and the FAA have been uh, very, very involved uh, for the last uh, week or so. Uh, it's now underway. They're searching a 21,000 square kilometer area covering the Malacca Strait, uh, the Andaman Sea, the Bay of Bengal, and uh, the Indian Ocean. 21,000 square kilometers. That's about 15,000 square miles. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. And you're looking for, you're literally looking for a needle in a haystack and needles sink. So uh, it can't be very easy. Anyways, Morris is calling uh, all ham stations, especially those from the countries uh, within the search area, to participate in uh, daily reporting sessions. The objective is for the ham station to provide any sightings, uh, info, or evidence that might help the authorities to find the missing aircraft. So uh, information can be found on the website of the Malaysian Amateur Radio Emergency Services Society, and that's at uh, http uh, colon slash slash triple dub dot m-a-r-e-s dot o-r-g dot m-y. So uh, check it out. Go to the website. And who knows? Maybe uh, you could be uh, part of the uh, effort. Um, Again, I'm just I'm just flabbergasted that this thing just just disappeared. I, I can't believe that it's, it just disappeared off. No, not even the military radars have been picking this up. And the military, they just you know they basically cover the planet. How does this thing go missing? I don't know. There's satellite know. coverage of the planet. There's radar on everything. There's eyes in the sky. I mean, if this thing went down in a cornfield in Thailand, you'd think someone would call in and say, "Hey, there's a plane in my corn." You know, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in the ocean, I can understand. I can understand how you wouldn't be able to find it in such a huge search area. But the fact that it just—if it would have disappeared off radar, would it have just like gone below radar and flown for another hour? I mean, that's what I don't understand. The radars are pretty precise these days, especially military radar. I understand that they don't beacon all the time. I mean, they were talking about this on on one of the newscasts that I was listening, uh, for them to uh, beacon continuously uh, via satellite would cost something ridiculous like $300,000 a year per aircraft. So it wouldn't be feasible for the airlines to do that. But the fact that there's no rate that, that they can't narrow it down by radar a little bit more than that, I find interesting. I'm assuming that luggage or bodies will be floating up on somebody's beach eventually. I mean, this thing was either was either hijacked and, and flown really low or it fell into the water or, I don't know, maybe it's just some kind of Chinese government cover-up. I even thought of that at one point. <laughs> Who knows, right? right? Of course, if you're the Chinese government, you're listening to me. I didn't say that. It was Russ's idea. Uh, hey! <laughs> well, I think I think the thing... Yes, they said on the news the other night that if bodies and luggage start washing up somewhere, that still won't give them any clues to where the plane went down. Because well, a little who bit. knows where they came from. It'll narrow the search well, yeah, area. Then they could figure out with, with tidal currents and stuff, they could probably narrow it down a little bit more, I would think, at least to figure out which ocean it's in. They're looking well, in like three or four oceans and seas right now. 
I think the problem is they feel like that the the direction of the plane took was influenced by a hijacking or some sort of nefarious action, which means that they can't use like whatever trajectory they were predicting the plane to be in because they know it made some weird, you know, like right angle turns and, and, and went in a way that they, they basically lost track of it. So they have no idea like where to even guess where the plane was, but they can limit the search based on how much fuel it had. They know it can only go so far. So, you know, and, and they're basing that on that. And if, if it was entirely over water, then yeah, I can see where there wouldn't be any eyewitness accounts of its direction or anything. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, there, this plane will be found. There's no question about that. I mean, it pretty much can't hide an anthill on this planet anymore. It's just going to take a while. And, uh, I, everyone is going to be very curious to find out what actually happened when it is found. Yeah, and the fact that it's been so long, that's the weird thing, you know, usually within a couple of days or whatever, but anyhow, yeah, it's uh it's curious indeed. I'm looking forward to find I mean I'm, I'm a huge airplane fanatic and so I've been following this one pretty closely and uh, I just it just blows my mind. I mean, boo boo on you armies. <laughs> I think they're better than that. Well, I think they're doing what they can. I mean, oh, I know, I know, and and our hearts go out to uh, anybody who might have our relatives or friends on the plane. I mean, that's got to be the worst part. I mean, if you know the plane went down and everyone's you know passed away or whatever, I'm trying trying to be politically correct there. Everybody's dead. At least you know you know you have you have some closure right now. Nobody knows anything. It's like losing your child, you know, or or a family member. Like it's must, they're just going through hell. Yeah, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was upwards of like 230 or more yeah. people on this plane. I know. It's it was 239 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's 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 definitely a tragedy a, and hopefully I'm hoping they come to some sort of resolution soon and they find this thing and if you're a ham radio operator who lives somewhere in the South Pacific, you, you know, can help with the investigation. So and yeah. that is that. That is that. So if you see a 777 that doesn't belong, yeah. find it out. If you, if you wake up and look out in your backyard and there's a cockpit, uh, yeah. let someone know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go look right now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't make it to Canada from, <laughs> from Malaysia. Just a guess. But um, All right. So on to a lighter topic. We are coming up on Hamvention. It's less than two months away now. This is the 18th, and uh, Hamvention starts on May 16th. Uh, so a couple of days less than two months to go. And I saw a thing where AMSAT is looking for Hamvention volunteers. Uh, this uh, report comes from Steve, uh, November 9, India Papa. He says, last year we had 41 people assist with the AMSAT booth at Dayton. The interaction with AMSAT members, satellite operators, designers, and builders makes the whole experience for our participants a lot of fun. 2014 Hamvention is May 16th through the 18th, and if you can help with the AMSAT booth, whether you're available only for an hour or two, or if you can spend the entire weekend participating with AMSAT uh, and not spending your time wandering around Hamvention and seeing all the wonderful, cool stuff and like visiting the Linux and the Hamshack booth while you're there, you should at least take a break for that. Uh, you can contact Steve uh, N9IP at uh, N9IP at AMSAT.org. Uh, to get more information on uh, volunteering to be part of the AMSAT booth. And uh, I'm going ahead and uh, fixing that. No, 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 no. Ah, we're both editing it. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I did it first. I'm faster than you. It's not AMSAT. Yeah, I know. It's AMSAT. AMSAT.org. <laughs> well, okay. You it. talk, I type. It's, it's a good team effort. Exactly. We're both in there fixing a typo in the ether pad as I talk. Yeah, so. fighting the cursor. We're fighting the cursor. No, it's fine. <laughs> So anyway, if you can help out the AMSAT guys, they're looking for some volunteers. Uh, they had over 40 last year, so I'm sure they can use your help. They're they're huge in into, uh, I mean, all kinds of places, but they're very, very active at Hamvention all the time. They give demonstrations. And I have a good friend, actually, who lives in California. His name's Clint, uh, K6LCS. And uh, he's usually there giving demos. He's one of the main uh, AMSAT guys. And I'm not sure what his exact title with AMSAT is, but I know he's very, very involved. He gives a lot of um, of uh, talks, uh, demos. Uh, we actually interviewed him on a podcast uh, that I used to do called The Wave Guides. And it's uh, very, very class class act. And, uh, and, and he's got a horse. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's the, the most relevant piece of info you've given tonight. <laughs> there you go. The horse's name is Molnir. Molnir. Oh, like the uh, the Nor uh, the Norse god Mjolnir or the hammer of Thor. I believe so. I'm pretty sure Mjolnir, M J O L N I R, is the the name of Thor's hammer. I, I know it had something to do with Norse gods. I just couldn't. Someone in the I, chat I room will tell me if I'm it. wrong, but you know I, that was from back in my D and D days. Yeah. Uh, there you go. You were a D and D guy, were you? I was. Yes. I aspired to be, but no friends would join me. <laughs> oh, so you were a lonely D and D person? Wow, you I really was, were. Yeah, a geek. I just played by myself <laughs> with my GI Joes and and one Barbie. Go ahead. Say you played with yourself. <laughs> no. No. Then you're gonna make a sound bite uh, out of it. Yes, you know me too well. <laughs> Thor's hammer. There you go. Thanks, Taj. Excellent. Good call. Good call. Yes. Good call. All right, so yeah, check out amsat.org. Uh, check out the website too. Uh, they have a lot of good information. Uh, they actually have some really interesting, um, very very basic little projects that you could do to get onto the uh, ham radio satellites as well. I actually made a uh, VHF. Uh, downlink antenna uh, out of a 12 uh, gauge cable or wire and some um, some cardboard and duct tape as simple as that I mean believe it or not and and I you could listen to the satellites with cardboard and wire it's 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 a pretty interesting little project took me about a half day to do and uh, yeah so there's a lot of good information on there and on Clint's website too k6lcs check him out we did a story on an earlier episode where we talked about making an antenna out of horse fencing. So I'm pretty sure there is nothing you can't make an antenna out of. That's well, maybe, well, I don't know, ice cream? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm just going to blame my sickliness. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from amateur radio to something a little more esoteric, uh, we're going to talk about this thing that has been popping up on the news in various places for those who are uh, of the geek persuasion. You might be interested to know that it is thought that gravitational waves have been discovered, possibly. And uh, this story I got off of CNN, actually, of all places, like a real media outlet. So so apparently it's not it's, a real media outlet. Well, I don't know. It's kind of a thing. People like to believe in it. <laughs> People listen to it. I don't know yeah. why. You might as well just read the Inquirer. Uh, I've actually heard it on multiple sources, you know, the most reliable of which I think was Facebook. So this reporter says there's no way for us to know exactly what happened some 13.8 billion years ago when our universe burst onto the scene. But scientists announced yesterday, that would be Monday, the 17th of March, which we also call St. Patrick's Day, uh, that there was a breakthrough in understanding of how our world as we know it came to be. Uh, if the discovery holds up to scrutiny, it's evidence of how the universe rapidly expanded. For those people who know, who are in the know about these things, that's inflation theory. Expanded less than a trillionth of a second after the Big Bang. What's more, researchers discovered direct evidence for the first time of what Albert Einstein predicted in his general theory of relativity, gravitational waves. These are essentially ripples in space-time, which have been thought of as the first tremors of the Big Bang according to the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. A telescope at the South Pole called BICEP-2, Background Imaging of Cosmic Extragalactic Polarization 2, was critical to the discovery. The telescope allowed scientists to analyze the polarization of light left over from the early universe, leading to Monday's landmark announcement. I actually did a Coursera course a few months back on Einstein's theory of relativity, which was very interesting and very mind-exploding. Apparently, this is a big part of it, this whole idea of gravitational waves. And it looks like there is some evidence that has recently been actually, like, detected with scientific instruments, not just theorized. Cool. If all this gets proven, I guess um, scientists can then believe that they're sort of on the right track about this whole Big Bang thing. <laughs> and if not, they could just shoot themselves in the head. <laughs> or just move on to, uh, you know, some other theory. Yeah, That's what they do. They theorize. Oh, no, absolutely. I think it's very interesting. I think Albert Einstein was on to something. Strangely, 100 years ago, the guy knew more than what people know today, working with, you know, very rudimentary. I mean, this, anyway, we could just do a whole show on Einstein. We'll do that one day. He could probably do multiple, multiple, multiple shows on Einstein. Nope, <clears throat> just one. <laughs> okay, just one, right. Let's, <laughs> I, I took a but it'll last really, really long. You know, I took a self-involved, uh, you know, college course that lasted six months on just one of his ideas. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. 
Uh, but anyway, if uh, you're interested in that, as I am, and if you're interested in like theoretical physics and all that kind of cool stuff, and you happen to like the Big Bang Theory, which is a great show on TV, then you should check that out. The link to it uh, will be on the show notes. And of course, if you just Google for gravitational waves on the interwebs, you'll find out all about it because everyone's reporting on it. Fun stuff. Don't Google, don't Google Big Bang because all you'll get is the, uh, the TV show. <laughs> and probably some porn. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> okay, you can let us know what you find. Oh, uh, boy. Okay, well, the thing is, I've got music to play, and I've actually picked out the music. The problem is I didn't actually get the music queued up, so I'm going to have to do that now. Luckily, I put the links in the show notes. Excellent. Yes, so it's useful even for me. Do you want me to introduce it while you're doing that? Oh, uh, sure. Go ahead and introduce it. I didn't give you much of an intro, but go for it. All right, so uh, this is uh, by a band called Echo Volt. I like the name. Uh, Echo Volt is a, a band from uh, Spain, uh, specifically from Chiclana de la Frontera. Oh, so much for that accent. Uh, the album is called In Control. Uh, the track is called Better, no- Better, Better Than Nothing. Uh, goes for uh, just about three minutes, and it was uh, released in 2010. It is of the uh, electric guitar genre so uh we hope you enjoy i hope i enjoy it i hope you do too mind yep we'll see we'll be back in three minutes So, any words, any thoughts about that? It's different. Rendered speechless. Oh, no. (laughs) No, sorry. I was just eating fishy crackers, and I just got back as the song was over. (laughs) I had to go get a snack. But um, it was um, heavy. Yes. uh, That is my preferred mode of music. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's okay. I like there was there were a couple of neat sort of uh, tempo changes in there which I really which I really like in music so it kind of caught my attention. You you might like the next one better. We'll see. 
That's cool. Yeah, it wasn't my uh, wasn't specific. It wasn't horrible. You've you've played worse. It was interesting, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Well, good. If everybody hated that, you can be prepared to hate it again because our next song is also by Echo Volt. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if yeah, you like it's a different it's a little different uh we'll see the other one's adventure metal so you have to wait and see yes we'll have to wait and see and this is the part of the show that pete gets to do most of because my my stuff sort of fell flat but i guess i can talk a little bit about a couple of the things i found apparently there's a new version out of cqr log version 1.7.3 which got, yeah yet again they're quite active cqr log good on them yes and what's most interesting about this latest release is that it's primarily bug fixes let me see if i can bring up the page that i was looking at before oh yes here it is primarily the the changes between 1.7.2 and 1.7.3 are things that got fixed one of them is trx control which I got to tell you, I'm not even sure what TRX control is. I'm not sure if that means transmitter or if it means something else. But apparently that got fixed in 1.7.3. And a big thing that got fixed in 1.7.3 is rotor control. So if you're using this for your satellite communications and, you know, your transceiver and your antenna rotor uh, had, you know, digital communication so you can actually use it for rotor control, that apparently was not working in earlier versions of CQR log, but it is now working in 1.7.3. But what's also cool about 1.7.3 is it was accepted for inclusion in the next version of Ubuntu. And is is that really cool considering your experience? <laughs> well, not not necessarily cool for me because I'm not a huge fan of Ubuntu, but for those people who are it's cool and what's really good about that is the next version of Ubuntu, which is 14.04, uh, which, if I remember correctly, is scheduled to be released on April 17th of this year, so about a month away, uh, that is an LTS. It's uh, Ubuntu's latest long-term support version, which means that CQR log, the latest version of CQR log, will be officially supported in the latest version of Ubuntu, which is also a long-term support version. So oh, very good. that in itself is cool. That was really all I had to say about CQR log. For those people who are not familiar with it, it is an X-Windows-based CQR log. It is graphical in nature. It uh, was written by uh, Peter, OK2CQR, and a handful of other developers. We've talked about it before on this show. And as far as sort of heavier-end uh, logging applications, ones that actually require an X desktop um, and, and all of those things, it is probably one of the best amateur radio loggers out there. Completely full-featured, has rig control, uh, rotor control, interaction with, you know, Logbook of the World, EQSL, import, export, log for contests, log for non-contests, you know, pretty much every feature there is out there in the logging application, CQR log has it. In fact, their byline is the world's best Linux logging program. You can choose to believe that or not as you prefer. But that's what they say. And, of course, there are source builds for it. You can get it as a deb for Debian and, you know, Ubuntu and all the other Debian-based distributions. There's a 32-bit and 64-bit version. They integrate with everything. Documentation is excellent. And if you want to check out CQR Log, if you haven't already, since we've talked about it probably three dozen times over the past five years, uh, you can go to cqrlog.com. And uh, I think that's pretty much all I have to report about CQR log. I had more to do about Ubuntu 14.04, but then Ubuntu 14.04 decided to be a pain in the ass. So I don't have as much to say about it as I thought I might. Well, that being said, it was an early release and not the official, so... Right. I mean, because it has, it is not going to be actually released for another month. So what I was hoping to do was sort of get a look at the pre-release, the nightly builds... Of 1404, which, by the way, we reported a few months ago, is called Trusty Tar, uh, T-A-H-R. And the Tar I kind of get is like a like a sheep, uh, a GNU, or some sort of four-legged African something. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> something you can eat. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you if you killed it and put it over on a spit over a fire, it's probably very tasty. <laughs> So uh, I was hoping to install it in a virtual machine environment, which I did actually manage to do. The first time I did it, something locked up on my system. I had to hose it and reboot everything. And I'm not sure if that was the install or just a combination of everything I had running on my machine. 
The second time around, it actually installed just fine. But when the Unity interface came up in my VirtualBox environment, and I wanted to actually go in and start playing around with the operating system, you know, so I could see how it felt and whether or not it was worth even pursuing a, a deeper look, the video driver did not install properly, even in a virtual machine environment, so I could not expand my window beyond a 640 by 480 standard VGA screen. And I don't know if you've seen Unity or not, but if you try and use Unity in a screen that small, it is virtually impossible because all the icons down the left-hand side take up 40% of the screen and you can't do anything. So unfortunately, my ability to tell you all about how cool or not cool Ubuntu 14.04 is severely hampered by the fact that I couldn't freaking use it. Take but that since for, it's only released in April, maybe we'll have a chance to do that next episode. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. And I'm sure, you know, since these are nightly bills, these are basically like, you know, Git repos. They act, I'm not sure what, what they actually uh, use for version control, but they do release their nightly builds uh, every day. And you can download them and try them if you want to. And I'm sure if I fiddled around with it, I could get the driver to work and everything. But I wasn't actually able to do that before we went on air. So, uh, unfortunately, my, my ability to review is, is kind of limited. But uh, Considering they're releasing them, they'd probably work. They wouldn't release them if they didn't work. Oh, yes, they would. Nightly builds, they, they'll release them totally broken because that's what well, they're they really? all Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because Why that's would they do that? Because they're trying, because that's what they're trying to do. Part of they're they're doing development and also trying to fix bugs. As a matter of fact, if you go to the daily live page uh, for Ubuntu under slash current, I could I could put the URL down. I'll copy it into the Etherpad. But what's interesting about it in, in red letters right underneath the the link to the download of the ISO, it says warning: this image is oversized, which is a bug, and will not fit onto standard seven hundred and three megabyte CD. So did they do that? I guess that's all part of the whole community thing where they kind of hope that people will get in there and maybe give them cues as to what could be improved and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, they have their own developers. Okay. Canonical has their own developers working on it as well as the, as the community in general. But they release them out there so these problems can be fixed. That's why they do it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Very good. So until April 17th comes around and they actually release the real Ubuntu 14.04, whatever you download now could be as broken as badger i mean it could it could not even boot up your mileage may vary interesting but you can give it a try if you want i did it didn't work <laughs> i won't okay you don't have to. <laughs> i wouldn't even know what the hell i'm doing <laughs> well it kind of worked if you can watch if you can look at everything through a microscope or a magnifying glass it worked just fine <laughs> so anyway is anything hey. going on in the chat room do you have any stories because that's pretty much it i'm out i'm done nope ted says that it Tar is a hairy mountain goat. Yeah, I knew it was a four-legged sheep. Something you could eat. Yes, exactly. Goats. Actually, I was talking to a friend today on Skype about how you could eat goats, strangely. <laughs> <laughs> goats are good. Their, their cheese is good, too. Yeah, well, that's what he was saying. He says, well, goats are great because he thinks goats are very cute. And I was thinking I'm a sheep or cuter. And he's like, but goats, you can, you know, make, you can get cheese and milk. And I said, yeah, you could also make soup out of them. <laughs> anyhow. That's true. Cheryl likes fainting goats. She wants fainting Even, goats. But I digress yet again. Yes. So um, I, I understand you have a story or two that you can talk, you can talk about or we can talk about. Yeah, I actually have uh, three or four short ones that we can uh, mention here. Uh, the first is uh, from QRZ.com. I thought I'd uh, throw a little bit of ham radio content there. Um, although this one has very little to do with ham uh, content, but it's uh, got a geek component, uh, which might uh, be interesting. Uh, it'll be dated, of course, but a Tuesday, March 25th, uh, NASA television will broadcast the pre-launch activities for the next uh, three crew, the three crew, three crew member flight to the International Space Station to the ISS. And I mention this only because uh, even though it's dated, uh, NASA TV uh, broadcasts uh, their activities regularly. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to check it out, uh, NASA television uh, is actually a quite entertaining uh, and, and usually fascinating. So uh, for those who are interested, uh, this uh, next expedition, uh, number uh, 3940, uh, will uh, feature one uh, American, the flight engineer Steven Swanson, uh, as well as uh, two Russian uh, cosmonauts from the Russian Federal Space Agency called Roscosmos. <laughs> 
that's not how it's pronounced. I just like to say it like that. <laughs> uh, and uh, the launch will be out of Kazakhstan, as they have been uh, lately. So uh, NASA coverage will begin at 4.15 p.m. Of course, they don't say which time zone that's in. Uh, boo on you, QRZ. But uh, for those of you who are interested, uh, check out uh, NASA TV. So that's HTTP uh, colon slash slash triple dub dot NASA dot GOV slash NASA TV. And when they're not uh, broadcasting live, uh, they broadcast their pre-recorded stuff uh, that's always interesting. And uh, you can fiddle around the website and find all kinds of interesting stuff. Uh, stuff that we've posted before, the little documentary we posted before on a, a little tour of the International Space Station and stuff like that. So uh, this story was uh, from uh, my good friend uh, Clint, who I mentioned uh, before from uh, the Juripa Valley in California, Clint K6LCS, who is very involved in AMSAT and uh, also uh, is also interested in uh, NASA television. So uh, check out uh, NASA TV for uh, those of you. Uh, have you ever checked out uh, NASA TV, uh, Russ? I used to watch NASA TV all the time, but since the you know shuttle missions and, and the sort of overall exciting stuff that NASA does has kind of calmed down a bit. I, I haven't watched it lately, but I used to. I used to love it. Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting. I, I just thought I'd mention it because I'm, I think we've mentioned it in passing before, but uh, um, just kind of an interesting thing. If you're, if you're bored and you've got nothing to do and you like space, uh, check out NASA TV. NASA, they kind of know what they're doing in space there. They've been up there a few times, so uh, they have some interesting content. Yeah, and if you're a ham radio operator, you can talk to the ISS and satellites and stuff. I I saw a story that the ISS had scheduled to talk to a middle school or something, an intermediate school here in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, very yeah, soon. they they do a lot of that. Actually, Clint uh, Bradford, K6LCS, uh, coordinates a lot of those. Uh, most of the ISS communication uh, through ham radio does happen with schools. I mean, the ISS. Everybody would want to talk to them, but they kind of privilege uh, uh, school-aged children, and they do a lot of uh, ham radio broadcasts and uh, do some stuff with uh, video broadcasts as well. So, yeah, good on them for doing that. I think that's fascinating. I mean, what better way to plant the seed, uh, you know, for a kid to uh, to want to be an astronaut than to, to talk to an actual astronaut on the space station? Yeah, and maybe someday NASA will actually fund astronautical-type missions again. Astronautical, huh? <laughs> astronautical, yeah. Or, or I guess word? everybody can move to Russia and become a cosmonaut because they still go into space. Yeah, well, they're uh, they're working on a new uh, space shuttle type device, and I think it's going to be ready in something like twenty twenty five or something ridiculous. That, that's another thing I don't understand is if they knew they were going to retire the space shuttle after so many years. Understandably, you know, you don't want to take this old piece of crap into space after all. If there's a hole in it, you'll have trouble breathing. But why didn't they start working on this one sooner, like on the new one, on, on a new and improved version so that they uh, wouldn't have to wait so long and, and rely on other countries to get us into space? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with money and budgets. I know that, you know, the United States is a little bit of a deficit, but who knows? <laughs> a tiny bit, yeah. <laughs> doesn't China own you guys now? Pretty, pretty they own much. Us. Yeah, I think so. I think so. so uh, pretty soon all, all right. the cheap crap is going to be made here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Well, I mean, it kind of fits, you know, Russia, China, they're kind of in cahoots, so maybe it's kind of fitting. Yeah, well, we'll we'll continue to be, we'll, we'll be Chinese Americans. You know, it'll just prove Joss Whedon, <laughs> it'll just prove Joss Whedon right, that's all. So. And what did he say? Oh, For Joss Whedon, have you ever seen Firefly? I'm actually... I am holding it in my hands. I'm uh, probably a quarter of the way through the series. And uh, I I was familiar with it before. One of my friends lent me uh, the uh, the entire, uh, let's see, uh, the complete series, which I think was one season. It, it was one season, which culminated in a movie um, called Serenity. And yeah. basically, if you, you know, if you've been paying attention, you'll notice that the, the language that they speak is sort of an amalgam of, of English and Chinese because Chinese, you know, China basically took over everything. So is it really? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I didn't get that. Yep. So now you know what to look for. Now I do. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm on uh this two episode two or something like that, but a quarter way into the series. So I'm <laughs> watch it here and there. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it very much. So you'll want to learn, you know, Cantonese, so you'll be able to speak with your overlords. I mean, benefactors. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, we're, we're okay for a bit. Right. Okay, so what else you got? Uh, well, on the same theme, uh, we have a story about uh, ham radio in space. So uh, 
combining uh, NASA TV and ham radio now. Uh, ham radio video commissioning steps one and two are successful is the title of the article. This is from uh, Amateur Radio Newsline, the latest edition. So uh, step one and two of the commissioning of a new ham radio video transmitter system on board the ISS have been completed and deemed a total success. So I thought this was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, presently, ham radio, <laughs> although equally funny, presently ham video is transmitting a blank image and no audio <laughs> in what is being called configuration one but they are transmitting so uh, although transmitting black is transmitting something you are transmitting an image even though it's black you won't see anything so uh, the signal for those who may be interested uh, can be uh, found on uh, uh, 2422 megahertz so 2.422 gig uh, with a uh, symbol rate 1.3 uh, blank transmission will then move to uh, 2.3 395 gigahertz at the same symbol rate. So these blank transmissions will continue until the next commissioning step, which is planned uh, for uh, mid-April, April 12th specifically. So reports from ground stations uh, during blank screen transmission are welcome and will allow further analysis of their performance and radiation characteristics from the ISS. Uh, they can be filled in online at tinyurl.com dot com slash new dash a r i s s dash tv uh, recordings of signals received during uh, commissioning steps at uh, Matera Ground Station will be made available on the British Amateur Television Club server. And that story comes to us from uh, ON4WF. So uh, there you go, for those of you who are interested in, uh, in uh, ham radio video transmissions. Now coming from space. Excellent. Sounds very cool. Good, good segue from uh, uh, from uh, from my last story. Yeah, very cool. And I don't have any radios that will actually receive uh, up in the two gig band, so I'm kind of out of that loop. But uh, I'm sure other people do. Yeah, well, I thought I'd mention it because I'm sure somebody uh, will uh, have a look. And if you guys want to be part of the whole process, uh, you can uh, give your reports if you're interested. Yeah, I, I can't receive uh, that high either. But uh, uh, a lot of people are starting to get into that. It's uh, into the gigahertz transmission. Uh, seems to be a little bit more um, more popular uh, as time moves on. Yeah, I can, I can receive high, just not high frequencies. Um, let's see. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you slip into uh, Bill Cosby God mode every time I say something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I got that from Bill Cosby. The Russ, okay, Symbola says uh, SDR will receive, so if you're interesting, if you're interested. So for those of you who don't have a receiver in the gigahertz range, uh, you can uh, play with SDR. So there you go. And an easy and inexpensive way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings me back to um, a story I mentioned a couple episodes ago where I was talking about globaltuners.com. Uh, we were talking mm -hmm. about shortwave listening and, and getting online and using a web interface to, to monitor different uh, receivers around the world. And uh, I actually got my account set up. It, it got set up the next day uh, for globaltuners.com. I got on there and I was able to uh, tune around on various radios around the world, uh, one in Malaysia, one in Canada, uh, and a couple here in the States uh, to listen to various frequencies, HF, VHF, and UHF, and it was pretty cool. It's a very cool thing, and it's a free service, and it also has Android apps and I think iPhone app as well. Check out Global Tuners, and uh, you may be able to do this kind of thing that we're talking about through that, and if not, you can just listen to audio broadcasts as well. It's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're interested, uh, I got my ride from Austin Powers. Oh, I don't watch Austin Powers. So, oh come on, they're so good. I, I think I saw the first one, but I kind of lost interest. I love Mike Myers too. I just, you know, it didn't really? interest me. Yeah, interesting. Were you not a James a James Bond fan? No, I'm not a James Bond fan. Fan. Uh. Yes, I am not a James Bond fan. <laughs> fan boy. Yes. Yep. I oh, you're allowed. Okay, well, thanks very much. I guess we should probably move on to our next piece of music, and then uh, we got some feedback and social media roundup and probably some idle banter, and then we'll call it a show. Sound good? Yeah, if you want. I've got a few other ham radio stories that we can slip in there really quick, but well, do I don't that know. after. Save them for next time or do it after, whatever. We're trying to keep this show less than, you know, two hours. I don't know. Just jump in, whatever. Whatever you think is necessary. Well, real quick, uh, the latest... Uh 
latest episode of Amateur Logic TV has been released. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar and who like podcasting, this is a video casting. Amateur Logic TV has been around for a few years um, and uh, usually has some really, really interesting content. So you can get them at amateurlogic.tv, www.amateurlogic.tv. Check them out. They're, uh, they're a good show. Have you ever checked it out, Russ? I, it's, I, it's really, really, I haven't watched it in a while, but it's always very interesting. I have not, but I actually earlier tonight watched the first episode of TX Factor, which is very good. Oh, really? I haven't checked that one out yet. Interesting. Yeah, we I'll talked about it a out. couple episodes ago. It was uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. It was uh, yeah, the show done in the UK, and it's I'm not sure if it the you know the BBC or any of the broadcasting companies over in the UK have anything to do with it. I assume they don't, but for whatever budget they have, it's very well done. It's uh, slick, slickly produced, and the show was quite good. So I, I recommend it. Excellent. All right, music. Music. Let's have our ears bleed. <laughs> yes, ears bleed again. You want to introduce the next one too? Sure. Uh, by uh, the, the last one and the uh, current one, uh, courtesy of Jamendo. I forgot to uh, mention that uh, before. Apologies to Jamendo. Jamendo is a great source of independent music. I listen to a lot of music from there. You can just listen in uh, from your player throughout the day if you want. They have uh, various uh, genres of radio you can tune in, rock, uh, metal, uh, etc. Uh, this one uh, by Echo Volt again uh, from the album In Control. Uh, goes uh, 3 minutes 10 seconds. Uh, band from Spain. The song is called Catch My Breath. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. We'll see you in three minutes. My open eyes can see the sky. My mind can answer questions why. The bigger in, the too close in. The sight for life, my only sin. Tear down this wall. That hide my face Why don't you let me join your human race I never touch what was not mine But still your selfish eyes are sublime With your straight fuck come down to finger points I am exam with your straight fuck come down to finger points I am See, that one I liked. Okay, cool. I'm glad. I like that one, too. That one has some great stuff in it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Got to keep an open mind. Okay. If you want to, I, if, if you like that one, I would go ahead and check out the whole In Control album by Echo Volt because 
you know, you may not like everything, but there is some very good stuff in there. I actually had a hard time choosing between some of the songs because a lot of them are very good. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I bug you a lot, of course, but any artist that I listen to, you never, you never like all the music anyhow. So right, yeah, they left that to the Bee Gees. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, quote from Wayne's World. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Mike Myers, wow, that's good. That was like full circle there. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, indeed. We're awesome. Admit it. We are. We are truly awesome. Okay, we can probably squeeze one more story in here if we want to do that before we do feedback because oh, we our feedback's kind of short. Good thing I didn't uh, blitz it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, this is just a quick one uh, for uh, my Canadian counterparts here. Uh, in 2010, um, the government of New Brunswick was one of the only provinces to uh, to outlaw ham radio while you were driving. Actually, what they outlawed was the use of uh, any uh, cell phone or communication device, which included uh, ham radios. And, of course, uh, Radio's Amateurs of Canada and the uh, province of New Brunswick's uh, radio amateur community has been fighting hard to get that uh, rescinded because ham radio, of course, is very, very uh, helpful when it comes to emergency situations such as... Uh, Floods, weather, ice storms, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, even things, you know, like community events, marathons, uh, uh, stuff that the Red Cross does. So uh, coming soon to a legislature near you, actually, in New Brunswick, uh, in uh, the middle of this month, actually. Well, actually, today, it's 1 p.m. today. My goodness, where have I been? Uh, 1 p.m. today, uh, ham radios uh, in New Brunswick were invited to the legislature for an important announcement. And uh, it was hoped that... Uh, the uh, let's see. We are hopeful New Brunswick will recognize the value of amateur radio operators to our province by eliminating the ban on mo- mobile radio operations. So, uh, good on you, New Brunswick, if that's in fact what you are doing. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, one of the uh, it's very controversial here all across the country, and I've heard stories which are uh, uh, un unproven stories uh, that uh, people get tickets for using ham radio in their car especially if uh, you know your your uh, mic has a keypad on it because cops have no idea what ham radio is and because they see a keypad they think it's a cell phone and they give you a ticket and yada yada so it's been the big stink about that for the last few years here so uh, hopefully uh, New Brunswick is taking a step in in the right direction and uh, and uh, banning that uh, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's where you're going to have to go with that. Uh, do you, <laughs> Eliminating the ban is what right. I should have said. Do you, do you but, know if uh, it affects uh, hands-free operation? Uh, no. Uh, as far as I know, at least here in Quebec, you're allowed to uh, have hands-free when you're talking on your phone. Interestingly, uh, cops, po- police officers and people who work, you know, cops, uh, RCMP, uh, people like that, are allowed to use their cell phones while they're driving uh, as long as it's within the context of their work. Of course, nobody can prove that they're not talking to their wife and what cop's going to give another cop a ticket anyways. But uh, they are exempt from that rule, uh, which is interesting because they're usually, you know, they have a high-stress job driving at high speeds through an emergency and they're allowed to be on their cell phones, whereas we, regular citizens, are not, uh, which I have no problem with. You know, I don't think you should be on your cell phone, especially texting when you're driving. Um, and even uh, it's been argued that even uh, with a Bluetooth headset, uh, you're still distracted. And, and some people say that it should be banned altogether. And, and I must admit that even using my ham radio, I found myself to be a little bit more distracted when I'm driving. So I, I'm kind of back and forth on it. Ideally, you would have, you know, like in an airplane, you would have the driver driving and, and the guy next to you doing navigation and communication. But, you know, that's not always the case. So uh, anyhow, I thought that was kind of interesting and a little bit of ham radio slash Canadian content there. Yeah, I, th- I think that same issue is coming up in, in the United States and other places as well, um, because it's it's all sort of communication devices and governments want to lump them all into the same thing. But of course... The, the list of exceptions for civilians versus, you know, emergency and, you know, police personnel and, and other entities is a mile long. Well, we'll see what happens. And I have no problem with that as, as long as it's used, you know, if, 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 if a policeman is using it uh, for his job and, and, you know, he's going to save a life, then more power to him. If he's talking to his wife and she wants him to get bread and he's distracted and runs over a cat, well, that's a different story, you know. Right. I don't know. We'll see what comes of it. Um, legislation like that is brewing everywhere, not not just in Canada. So, so there's 
But we actually have bands here, and, and, and we've had controversy. You guys have no such bands yet in, in the United States? Not for amateur radio use, um, but it, I'm sure it's coming. Interesting. I'd be interested to see. I haven't really researched it a lot, but see what, what other countries around the world, uh, how they're kind of dealing with that. I'll be interested to see how this pans out. Keep us updated. Yeah, indeed. Well, I'll actually, because I wasn't uh, on the ball and didn't see that the announcement was today at 1, which is actually noon Quebec time, I'm going to have a quick look and see if uh, it was released yet. But knowing uh, the government of New Brunswick, which is like every other government, it won't be released for about six months. Right. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast after the fact and are therefore time travelers, today is March 18th. <laughs> Yes, apologies. Uh, that's okay. Just wanted to make sure that was clear. All right, so we've got uh, only a couple of short pieces of feedback this week, so we'll get through them real, real quick here. The first one is a comment on episode number 120 from Rob Branch Dash, and he says, Nice to hear the shout-out for Fedora 20. Uh, I did shout-out Fedora 20 on episode 120. I still think it's a great distribution. I use it at work uh, in a virtual machine environment. Uh, very easy to use. The installer is amazing uh, i installed it once just to install it and then i deleted it because it is it is a true model for what installers should be aspiring to so good on you fedora 20 uh, he also says good luck to jonathan for his orca project and i don't know the disposition or the disposition of the orca project so let me let me go here and look and see what happened uh, looks like he raised $6,800, which is, hmm. uh, very good. It's very good. A little shy of uh, his, uh, what was he aiming for? Like he was aiming for a hundred, a hundred grand originally, but it looks like it was knocked down to 15,000. He was shooting for 15 grand. He got 6,800 of it. Oh, well, not bad then. Uh, a total of 186 backers. So very every, nice. every little bit helps, right? So yeah. that's good, and 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 that will probably propel him just a little bit further to be able to to carry on with the project. So good on him. Way to go, c'est bon, Jonathan. All right. <laughs> I don't know if he's announced what he plans to do with the sixty-eight hundred dollars he collected, but I'm sure we'll be hearing about it soon. So yes, uh, good on you, Jonathan, and uh, I'm sure he appreciates Rob's shout out and everybody who contribute all 186 people who contributed to the orc project so very cool i was one of them i'm happy to say excellent very good very good i have contributed to the acf but not i did not con uh, contribute to the orc project so I, I have contributed to jonathan's endeavors in the past and of course we've had him on the show several times so yeah uh, class act really nice guy yep very much so uh, our second and last piece of feedback is from uh, Mike Robinson, who commented on episode number 124. He said, I just listened to this episode, and this should help with SMB. And I assume he's talking about the single motherboard computers that we mentioned that we were going to do a sort of compare and contrast on. Uh, he posted a link to a Wikipedia article, which shows a giant list of single board computers that are, God. <laughs> that are out a there. Crazy list. Oh my yeah. goodness. We're going to have to have like several shows on this. Yeah. We're probably going to have to try and condense it down into one manageable event. I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but there are dozens of these computers that are out on the market. Uh, I'm not sure how many of these we'll be able to look at, but uh, the oh, link. We have to look at the dragon board just because the name is so cool. Yeah, it is very cool. Uh, the list will be in the show notes, so if you want to check out that, you can you can see that you can see what uh, boards are available and uh, links to uh, the, the different ones. And we will be going through many of those boards in a future episode, uh, doing a compare and contrast and looking at the benefits of uh, the this new computing paradigm uh, because it's sort of uh, sweeping the world these uh, single board computers apparently judging by this list apparently it is i think it's already swept the world <laughs> very nice well thanks that's awesome mike very yep. cool yep thank you very much that is that is excellent i'm glad you know that you pointed us to this because there's there's a ton of these things and uh this is a great list. And also thanks to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a great resource. It's a great thing. You know, what's funny is when I look up stuff on Google nowadays, almost 90% of the time, the first hit for a Google is Wikipedia. 
So. Yeah, it's true. And the beauty of Wikipedia is it's 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 uh, it follows the free and open source philosophy where anybody can contribute to the information uh, that's there. And if the information's wrong, well, the next guy is quick to come and bash the last guy for giving wrong information. So right. uh, it kind of follows the uh, philosophy of uh, Linux and uh, LHS. And after the people bashing, they might actually fix the information. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. That being said, uh, you know, anything you read uh, is subject to uh, error, so uh, always uh, research your sources. But uh, yeah, Wikipedia is uh, definitely... I, I go to Wikipedia for a lot of my information when I'm just looking for something really quick, you know. You, you haven't heard of something or whatever I might be looking. I mean, today I was looking up some stuff on, on Pink. Uh, it's one of those tunes that I submitted before to you there that I thought was kind of neat that I thought you would enjoy. And uh, uh, I've been a, a fan of Pink for a while, so I, I thought, oh, I, I just want to know what her real name is. So uh, Wikipedia, you know, was there to help. Her name was revealed on the Oscars by Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, Alicia Beth Moore Hart. Alicia, Alicia Beth Moore. And Alicia Moore, she married that's right. This biker dude by the name of, I uh, can't remember, his last name is Hart. He's uh, an extremes, uh, what is it, the uh, X Games, I think. And uh, so she became Hart. Right. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. Wikipedia. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember it from the <laughs> Oscar Pink. broadcast because Whoopi Goldberg said, you know, we now have a performance from, you know, uh, Alicia Moore. Well, at least that's what I call her when she's hanging out at my house. But you probably know her as Pink. Hey. So, yeah, that's, that's where I got that information from. Not from Wikipedia. But, oh, that's all right. But uh, one one other thing about Wikipedia is um, they will tell you if the article in question is being editorialized. Um, it'll say right at the top, you know, there may be some question about the uh, neutrality of the article. So you know that what you're reading is not, it may be biased in some way, which is nice. You know, you won't right. get that from other sources necessarily. Uh, Very good. Yep. That being what it is, uh, we need to wake Cheryl up and uh, let her do the donations and the social media roundup. Wake up, Cheryl. I'm awake. I'm awake. All right. Excellent. We'll shut up long enough for me to do this. So I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. (laughs) Let's find out right now. So, (laughs) all right. Hit it. So for our donations and subscriptions this week, we have Jeremy Hall, Bill Arcand, Bill Hyatt, and Gary Oots, who all did a one-month thing. Um, Chris Smiley Wright joined us on Facebook. Christopher Wright, Maysara Muhammad, and Arman Arya on Google+. Um, Rod Coleman, Marcus Baird, Slavko, Carlos, Howard Weinstein, Greg Felter, Mike Belaskus, Fabian the... Scherschel. I'm not even going to try that one. And Roberto joined us on Twitter. Uh, Rubens Kenjo uh, joined our YouTube channel. Nobody joined the mailing list. Shame, shame. And nobody bought anything. So we're broke again this week. <laughs> well, that's not entirely true. And, and <laughs> people did uh, buy stuff. They just did it through the Indiegogo campaign. So we have several pens keychains, caps, and shirts, and USB sticks that will be going out uh, in the next few weeks for those people who donated. And we also have three uh, listener interviews that we need to line up, and those will be coming. Hopefully, we'll get them all in before Hamvention. Oh, that'd be cool. That's easy content. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and interesting. That's not forget interesting. Pete's like, woohoo, don't have to worry. <laughs> No, I love interviewing people. I'm a people person, so I, I mean, I joke, of course, but uh, interviewing people is is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, and like I said, we do have three people who are we're going to be interviewing. Uh, thanks to our Indiegogo campaign and their contributions, and I believe that will, you know, hopefully, if we get them all lined up, that will be for the next uh, three consecutive episodes. We will have uh, interviews with listeners, so that'll be very cool. Yep. So. That is about it. I think I think the show's over. We gotta we gotta wrap this thing up. Unless anyone has anything else they want to say before we do that. Nope. I love you all. Thanks for being there. <laughs> yes, Aww. we we all love you all. Yes, <laughs> y'all. We, we we love each and every one of our listeners, past, present, and future. That's right. That's right. Although the future ones don't know it yet. No, they don't know it yet, but they will. They will. They'll be smothered by our love. So I'll be loved and like it. <laughs> All right, Pete, it's time for you to take it away. I'm going to start the music. 
All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for being here once again, uh, putting up with us. Uh, please check out our website, uh, most importantly, uh, lhspodcast.info, all kinds of neat information and cool colors. Uh, you can become an ambassador uh, if you visit the website. And uh, you can uh, ambassador for upcoming events. Uh, you can find all the information uh, right there on how you could represent Linux in the Ham Shack at your Linux convention or Ham Fest. Uh, please send us an email, feedback, info. I'm sorry. Send us an email, info at lhspodcast.info. Or you could also uh, give us feedback by leaving us a voicemail. We love voicemail, by the way. 109-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. All hate mail is right routed to the beautiful uh, Harrison. Uh, that's hate mail at lhspodcast.info. Harrison's our show notes taker, uh, so uh, he doesn't get a lot of hate mail, which is good, uh, but he's busy doing our show notes, and he does a great job doing that, so thanks to uh, the Big H for doing that. Uh, you can subscribe uh, to the mailing list. Uh, link is on the website. Uh, please go to Cafe Press and Printfection. Printfection. Uh, buy some show merchandise. Uh, each uh, purchase helps out the show a little bit. Uh, you can also help us out uh, by uh, clicking um, on the sponsored ads at the right-hand column of the homepages of Cafe Press and Printfection. So that's www.cafepress.com slash podcast and www.printfection.com slash LHS podcast. Of course, you can listen to us live every other Tuesday, so that'll be 14 days from today, every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central Time. That'd be Wednesday at 0200 Zulu. Our recording schedule and a handy countdown timer for the next episode is also on the homepage of the website. So thanks to all of our listeners once again, all you guys who are listening live, Quasi Live. Thanks to everyone who's been active in the in the chat box. We love having you guys around you guys are always helpful uh, filling in the information that we miss and there's usually a lot of that so uh, thanks to you guys as well so uh, with that my name's pete victor echo 2 x-ray papa lima is my call sign i hail from beautiful montreal canada and i'll say seven three and uh, we'll talk to y'all in a fortnight all right and for pete and cheryl and myself russ k5tux you can find me on all of the social media networks you can find them on all the social media networks jr woodman madam movie 2 xpl uh, this has been episode number 126 of Linux in the Ham Shack, live from between the peaks in the Vine Forest of North Central Arkansas. We'll catch you all in a fortnight's time. Take care, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. You don't have to be mentally deficient to do this job, but it sure helps.